Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special episode of the Balls Over the Top podcast. It is time for playoffs here. It's playoff season, and a lot of exciting games this weekend. We're really looking forward to it. Some interesting matchups, you know? Is, is, this, is this a bit? Uh, what do you mean? There's some, you, there's some good games this weekend. Are you doing a bit? Uh, a bit. Would you say that this is a short comedy routine that you're doing right now? Oh, I'm just introduction to the podcast. I'm sorry. Dude. No, it's Wild Card Weekend. We need a little bit more excitement in this podcast. Welcome, everybody. This is the Balls Over the Top podcast. Let me try that again. This is the Balls Over the Top podcast, and it's Wild Card Weekend, and we've got another prediction preview analysis show coming at you. I guess you're right. It is Wild Card Weekend. There should be a little bit more excitement in my voice, but without the birds in it, man, I don't know. It just it feels like there's an itch here that we can't really scratch, but I'll agree with you. Definitely the best of the best, other than Washington, the best of the best playing each other. And we're going to get some really good games. I'm, I'm excited to see how this weekend unfolds. Yeah, we've got three games on Saturday and three games on Sunday. And we've got some really good ones. But we are starting off with an extremely interesting one in the far better of the two versus seven games. And the Colts facing off against the Bills. Bills are home in this one. And this is a really good matchup. Yeah, I mean... We got a lot to look forward to these playoffs, all right? And there's a few teams that I'm excited to see, and there's a few teams that I'm not that excited to see. And unfortunately, two of the teams I'm excited to see are in this very matchup right here. Yeah. We have the Indianapolis Colts, which, as much as he hasn't been a beacon of light on this team at all, mm-hmm. Philip Rivers has always been a, a player that I've liked. I mean, even going back to his LaDainian Tomlinson, Antonio Gates, mm-hmm. making Chris Chambers look like a solid NFL receiver. Well, and he's I also mean, the funniest trash talker in the league. Oh, hilarious. He's got a million kids. Yes. He did come to... He does have more kids than playoff wins. Well, I mean, at this point, he still... Does he have any playoff wins? I think, is that he's their joke? Four. Oh, he has four. He's okay, got four well, playoff impressive. wins, and he's got like 11 children, I think. But you weren't I, even close to making that play. You got a hand on it. You weren't even close. It is always nice to hear him with his funny smack talk, with his, you know, he doesn't really swear, so he's... Exactly. He doesn't really swear, so he, he's got a funny, you know, canes. But also, he, he did a lot. I mean, he was a really solid NFL quarterback for over a decade for a franchise, which anybody who does that is really impressive. You know, I, I think... Watching as much football as we've watched over the years, mm-hmm. you come to appreciate the quarterbacks who really stick around because it is a crazy how many teams just have a carousel. And not only the teams that stick around, but the teams that are producing, or not the teams, the, the quarterbacks that are producing mm-hmm. on a regular basis. I mean, yeah. I always, I always, I love to dig at Matt Stafford. I love to dig at Matt Stafford because yes. I always say he's the king of garbage time. Yes. I mean, the guy had Calvin Johnson and couldn't put together a formidable offense, you know. And you look at it, and then there's this, you know. So, so I lost my train of thought there, but no, I mean, I think I get what you're saying. Matt Stafford has been a well, he's been an Iron Man. First of all, he's been able to stay healthy, so he's played for a very long time, and he's been productive. Enough to keep his job season after season. Yeah, but keeping your job season after season and actually producing and being a weapon, I mean, to an extent, 
teams have to really game plan for Matt Stafford, but way more they had to game plan for Phillip Rivers. I mean, that all that Phillip Rivers offense was consistently mm-hmm. dynamic, mm-hmm. putting up numbers. Yes, at times it was led by the running game. I mean, they've had good running games there forever, it seems like. Melvin Gordon, you go back before that. I mean, there was LaDainian Tomlinson years. There was, you know, they had that little bit of a drop-off for when they had Ryan Matthews, mm-hmm. but like... But Ryan Matthews was a solid... He was a solid, solid back for a while, yeah. pretty much until he came to Philadelphia. Yeah. You know... And then he had a half-decent season, and then he completely fell off. But yeah. and, and so, I like Phillip Rivers. That's what I was getting at. It took yeah. me a second, but I like Phillip Rivers. Yeah. The... And I think he did more than that bare minimum of other quarterbacks that we saw linger in the league for a long time. I don't mean to throw disrespect on the name, but like a Ryan Fitzpatrick, like a Carson Palmer, who just kind of lingered, like a Joe Flacco, like a Matt Schaub, like these guys that just kind of were were sometimes in many cases starting for many years. And... Where you know, like I think Philip Rivers has a way more impressive career than Alex Smith, even before the injury. Oh yeah. I think you know, so like, there's a lot of things that you can point to. Yeah. In Philip Rivers, where, that you can hang your hat on, even though this year he has been a turnover machine. Yeah. Especially early on, it it shaped up later in the He's season. He's provided productivity for this Colts offense that they have lacked since Andrew Luck's retirement. Yeah. And and with the defensive scheme that they have with Frank Reich, with everything they got going, I think they're a very formidable opponent. And they're coming up against the team that I was most excited to see in the playoffs in the Buffalo Bills, where I think Josh Allen is a rising star in this league. Mm-hmm. I think I love McDermott as a head coach. Yeah, he's been great. And they usually have a feisty defense. And uh, honestly, the addition of Stephon Dix has been monumental. Yeah. Um, boy, talk about... Um... A win-win trade for those two teams. Well, yeah, I mean the the Vikings end up moving up and, and using that Justin pick Jefferson. to get Justin Jefferson. Yeah, plugs in fine and best season Stephon Diggs has had. Exactly, record-setting, I yeah. believe. And so, really, this is one where I think whoever comes out of this matchup is my dark horse to be the AFC representative in the Super Bowl. Now. I might have two of those in the NFC, or sorry, in the AFC, and we'll get to that in a second. But I mean, obviously, I think everybody and their mother, the smart pick, the money pick, the the logical pick is to put your money on Kansas City, just based on the dominance that they've yes. had over the last couple of years yeah. and the pedigree of their coaching. But I'm excited about this game. What are you thinking? This is an interesting one. No Cole Beasley is tough for this Bills team. Their slot wide receiver is a big part of keeping the sticks moving, especially because they have a, a weird ground game where they do have pretty good running backs. Zach Moss has been a good back this season. They've got Devin Singletary who can hammer at home. It's, it's not a bad rushing team, but having to change up your slot guy right before playoff time is definitely a rough way of going. But I think the Bills do have enough to get it done, and I think their offense is just hard to stop. Colts' defense is very good. And this could be a lower-scoring game, but I think it's going to be one where they're going to be racing against each other quite a bit. So we got to break it down. we got to get into it. You know, Buffalo gets to host this matchup. Uh, a home playoff game in Buffalo is a tough task. It doesn't matter who you are, but this is a Colts team that's used to playing indoors. Mm-hmm. And they are going to allow some fans into the stadium for this game, which, although I question that decision, health and safety-wise, it does nothing but help the Bills, at least in the short term. Yeah at least for the atmosphere. For what it's worth, 
I know we bring this up in our weekly podcasts, which who knows if we'll have the same format for next year. But the numbers, according to the Vegas lines, at least as we're recording this right now, it's a six and a half point line in favor of Buffalo. Buffalo are six and a half point favorites. The over-under is sitting at a tasty 51 and a half. And if you were curious about the money line, Colts are going off at about two and a half. You can get two and a half times your money for the Colts. And you're getting about a third of your money, three to one. So uh, not favorable for the if you're putting your money on Buffalo. So Buffalo are pretty heavily favored according to the money here. Yeah. There are a lot of factors that could come into this game. I think the Colts defense is going to be the biggest one. They have to come into the cold weather. They have to deal with a dynamic Buffalo offense, even without Cole Beasley. And they may be doing it without DeForest Buckner, who's been limited in practice. Didn't practice today, or at least didn't practice Wednesday. I do not know about Thursday. I think although this Colts team is dynamic and they have had a fantastic regular season, I think Buffalo is the team to beat in this game and are going to are gonna get the job done. I think the Colts do cover that spread. I think this is a close one. I think this is a hard-fought game. These Colts do not roll over. They do not give up anything easily. No. But I think we got to go Buffalo to win at home. This is their division. Yeah. They think this is their year, and while I don't think it's their year for the Super Bowl, even though I said whoever comes out of this game, solid dark dark horse candidate, mm-hmm. I think Buffalo gets the job done at home. What are your thoughts? I think Buffalo gets this one d- done too, and I think we see the over of 51 hit. I think it's going to wind up being a playoff game, and they're going to have to air it out. They're going to have to throw. It's going to be a fairly high-paced game. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely... We could definitely see that, and I'm curious, you know, but this is definitely two offenses that like to establish their game on the ground first. Mm -hmm. We don't really know how either of these teams react when they're forced into their discomfort zone. I mean, the Colts' defense, the way they're able to pressure the quarterback and the way that their secondary just absolutely ravages receivers at times, especially without Cole Beasley on the field, Mm -hmm. should be a concern. should Should be a concern. Yeah. On the opposite side of that, remember it's cold weather, and this is a big play machine mm-hmm. for Buffalo, and Josh Allen might be able to ride that tide. On the same time, Jonathan Taylor's limited practice, and we all know how Phillip Rivers does against really good defense, or even when, he, when he's frazzled. Playoff teams, exactly. In the playoffs, specifically. Well, that's a whole other conversation. I mean, it's definitely, this game is not one to be taken lightly. No. I, I think there's... I think there's definitely aspects of this that that are going to be that, that you know that that are going to be unforeseen. You know, we're talking about the big names. We're talking about Josh Allen, Philip Rivers, but I think we could also see these are two teams that were very active in special teams. Yep. This is going to be. They've I mean, been very efficient on special teams too. On Saturday, we have a high of 36 degrees in Ooh. Buffalo, so it's going to be cold, chilly, and. I think we're going to have some big players on the defensive side of the ball making plays. Well, I, I think we go under. Yeah. Because I think both of these teams are, or at least, you know, neither one of these teams has immense playoff success in recent years. And I think they're going to be a little bit frazzled by the stage. But we'll see. I think this could be a blockbuster game. I think it's going to be a great one. Honestly, if you're going to be tuning into only one of the Saturday games, mm-hmm. this is probably the one to do so. Yeah. And. Really, I think the AFC over, overall, you know, top to bottom, 
produced a, a much better competition this year, much better playoff crop, mm-hmm. and I'm really excited to see how that conference shakes out. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to my guns on this over though. Both these teams ended the season with a positive turnover differential, which tells me that they are good at generating turnovers. Because every every team turns the ball over, but if you're positive in your differential, then you are generating turnovers. But we can move on because we got more Saturday games. The next one coming up is the six-seeded Rams coming up against the third-seeded Seahawks. Yeah, we have a divisional matchup. You know, one of those instances where these teams play each other three times in a year, which who knows if there was preseason this year, it might have been the opportunity for a fourth, but... I'm questioning if there's really ever going to be preseason that much again, but I digress. That's not what we're talking about right now. This is a super exciting matchup because, honestly, these are pretty two te- pretty much two teams that I-, I don't think are riding that much momentum coming into the playoffs. I mean, yes, the Rams have to be happy that they got the job done, even with their quarterback banged up and the injuries that they had to deal with. You can hang your hat on that. That is a big accomplishment for Sean McVay in a competitive conference, in in arguably the most competitive division in football, Mm -hmm. to have squeaked into the playoffs despite the hurdles that they've had to deal with. You know, I, I thought the Rams, after their Super Bowl loss and then their struggles last year, were going to be dead in the water for quite some time. Mm-hmm. I thought they were losing star power. I thought they were in a terrible financial situation for all the money they threw around with Todd Gurley, Robert Woods, Jared Goff, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, they just went so overboard with the money. Yeah. And it's really something for them to be proud of, but they kind of did limp their way in. I mean, you know, it's an achievement no matter how you did it. We'd be sitting here high-fiving if the birds squeaked their way into the playoffs, even with a losing record. You know, Mm -hmm. there is a benefit, and there is a... It is an achievement to be in the playoffs, and we, as we know, anything can happen. I mean, the Rams with a losing... Or, sorry, the Saints with a losing record... Not... No, I'm getting this wrong again. The Saints lost to a Seahawks team with a losing record when Marshawn Lynch had that beast mode, beast mode run back in, you know, I think that was Matt Hasselbeck's last year of playing. But, so it's happened. Teams with losing records come in, they, they win playoff games. Again, we'll get to that in a second. But the Seahawks also haven't been playing hot. The Seahawks started off the season as one of the most dynamic teams in football. And their bad defense hasn't gotten any better. And their good offense has gotten a lot worse. But overall, I think this is Seattle's game to lose. Russell Wilson is far and away the superior quarterback. I think Pete Carroll and Sean McVay are equal head coaching, you know, combatants in this case. But even though I don't love either of them, really, I, I can't stand Pete Carroll. And I think Sean McVay is overrated. They, they're definitely in the upper echelon of head coaches as far as quality, even though I don't like them. Mm-hmm. And so I think they pretty much cancel each other out. But Russell Wilson, I think, runs circles around Jared Goff. I think given the health issues of that offense, too, it's no guarantee. And, you know, I think this is definitely going to be a lower-scoring defensive battle. You know, neither of these teams recently to me has been overwhelmingly impressive or really all that impressive in the slightest. I mean, I thought for sure the Rams weren't going to make the playoffs. I, I honestly had the Cardinals getting in ahead of them. And the Seahawks, I figured, were going to win based on their early season strength, not on their 
late season performances under any stretch. Mm-hmm. For what it's worth, it's a three-point spread in favor of Seattle. And the over-under is low, like I projected, at 42.5. And, and I even still think we see the under on that. I'm, I'm really confident. There's like a 17-6. to six. There's like a even worse, nine, highest scoring, 24-10. to 10. Yeah. And even then, we're still hitting the under. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, And that's, wow, they exceeded my expectations. Like, this to me just seems and you know and it's crazy because these are both offenses that you would think are capable of it i mean russ is always capable of dropping a 30 burger by himself right and sean mcveigh's offenses we've seen them just go off there are just those nights when everything he calls is clicking when he's got the defensive coordinator on the ropes from the first round and he stays there you know what i mean just keeps boxing him in and so it could go anyway but my faith is in the seahawks here i i Think with a, possibly with a backup quarterback, and even if it's not a backup quarterback, because I, I know Jared Goff did do some limited participation in practice. Mm-hmm. It's still day to day. It's still full game, you know, yeah. workload. He's still coming off of now a, a thumb injury mm-hmm. that required surgery. Like that to me seems like they'd be rushing him back, and he wouldn't be in his comfort zone. Yeah, John Wolford only played okay. In the substitute appearance he had to make for Jared Goff, I I don't know. We've seen these teams play a couple times before already the season, and if there's anybody who has an answer in this league to DK Metcalf right now, it is the Rams because Jalen Ramsey, in all competitions up against him, only gave up eight catches and 87 yards. At this point, I think I'm going with the Rams in this one. I think the defense is there. They've had the better defense all season. The Seahawks had a pretty light end-of-season schedule. I think they might have gotten a little bit comfortable. The Rams had a tumultuous end-of-season schedule. They did enough to get through. And I think the crumbling of Seattle's offense as the season has ended and with their running back situation still very uncertain... I think we see the Rams edge this one out, but I do think we see the under of this one hit. Yeah, I think the other things to keep an eye on, you know, is really just going to be some of the health issues here. I mean, it's huge. Cooper Cup is coming back from from COVID list. Cam Akers fully practicing after his injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the Seahawks side, though, we you know they're really relatively healthy. I mean, Jamal Adams is the only one who's banged up and. You know, I saw his interview. I mean, he was fired up, adamant he's yeah, going to play. Yeah, he, he said nothing's basically he, keeping him, he was keeping him off he the was field. Playing. And so I imagine, barring extraordinary unforeseen circumstance, he is going to be in the lineup. And so, yeah, I mean, we it's definitely a game to keep an eye on. I'm a little bit less excited because I, I don't see either of these teams really going far in the playoffs. No. I could be eating my words in a few months. But... I don't see a run at coming out of the Rams for certain. No. And Seattle, who I think is slightly more capable of a run, usually shows signs of being kind of in that really excellent form by that point. Yeah. You know what I mean? When we've seen them go deep into the playoffs before, they were, you know, to put it how they, you know, to steal the announcer, analyst's phrase, you know, Russ is cooking. You know what I mean? Like right. they, they're usually. Everything's firing full cylinders, and they just have not... They haven't been there. They haven't been there. But we are going to move on to the last game of Saturday, and and really, this is just... I think this is going to be so disappointing, but we had to play it. This is filler. You know, the Washington football team, with a losing record, get to host Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
I think we're going to spend the least amount of time on this one, but I, I don't want to not address it. And who knows? You never know. It's the playoffs. That's why we play it. But I imagine we're going to see the Buccaneers come out and pretty handily take care of the Washington football team. It is the, oh, it's the second largest spread of the weekend. So it's still not the biggest. But Tampa is seven and a half point favorites, and it's an over under 44 and a half. I think we could see a number of things happen this game. And by the way, not every prediction I have is Tampa winning. I mean, Ron Rivera is a hell of a head coach, and Alex Smith has more grit than I could fathom. Right. With a veteran leadership and with their defense playing the way that their defense has been playing, mm-hmm. it's definitely in the cards. I mean, Mike Evans has been out for most of the week, and it's really looking like he's going to be up in the air. He's going to be a game-time decision. And they might just be playing their cards close to their chest one way or the other, but that hyperextended knee that he had to deal with was pretty gruesome. Yeah. And without him on the field, if this defensive line is able to ravage the Tampa Bay offensive line and get enough pressure on Tom Brady. Which they've been doing to very pretty good much everybody, lines, yeah. yeah, pretty much everybody at this point. We could get a surprise ending here. Mm-hmm. But I think the overwhelming likelihood is that we see Tom Brady and Bruce Arians and that offense that has plenty of weapons at its disposal, even without Mike Evans, win this game with relative ease. Yeah, do enough to get it done. I think I'm willing to say that Tampa wins and gets it done with the spread at 7.5. I don't think this game is a one-touchdown game at the end, especially considering Alex Smith has been hobbled, Mm -hmm. and there has been some, like even yesterday, he didn't take his for all of the first-team reps. I mean, they gave Taylor Heineke the first team reps on Wednesday, and they're talking about rotating quarterbacks. That never works. That does not bode well. The best offensive weapon on that team, Terry McLaurin. Yeah, he's dealing is banged with, up, yeah, he's and he's he's been in and out of practice. I just don't see Washington getting this game done. I mean, really, they. I think the Eagles made the right call, and and that's a whole thing there, you know. And I get the people getting angry, but you know the Eagles fell on the sword to let Washington win the game last weekend. I think the Eagles took their foot off the gas. I think they did everything short of running it into their own end zone and taking a safety to give up that game to Washington. And so, really, you could argue if Washington, you know, I was going to say, Washington struggled to beat us. Well, Washington, you could argue whether or not they even really beat us. I mean, they did. But, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just a, it's not a team that I have faith in against a, you know, an even mid to lower tier. And, like, I don't think they would beat the Dolphins this week. And they're they're not a playoff team. I don't think they would beat the Rams. Washington, and they're a, they're a playoff team. I don't think they would beat Arizona, and they're not a playoff team. I question if Washington will be able to hold off Vegas this weekend. and they're, You know what I mean? Like the amount of non-playoff teams that I could point to, hell, they could barely hold off the Eagles, and we're a non-playoff team. Yeah. You know, I don't have faith in them making any noise in these playoffs. I love Ron Rivera. It's a great story. His fight with cancer and his overcoming that's a great story. I think I love I, I really respect and like Alex Smith a lot. I think his story is a great story for the NFL. He should definitely win comeback player of the year, hundred percent. For sure. Locked in. You know. But it's almost a farce that this Washington football team is in the playoffs. And I 
hope that there are no major injuries. An upset would be exciting to watch, but then I look at the next round and I go, okay, a team's basically going to stomp them in the divisional round. Like, I just uh-huh. don't see this happening. Over under 44 and a half. I'm avoiding this game, I feel like, for the most part. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, I might. I would consider Buccaneers money line. In a parlay? I would maybe consider Buccaneers spread or even in a te- teaser. But I'm not holding my breath on this game, the over-under 44.5. If the Bucks go off, we could see it hit over. If the Bucks don't, and you know the game's defensive, and they still win, squeak it, you know, whatever happens from that point, we could see the under. I'm inclined, given the quarterback rotations, given the injury to Terry McLaurin, J.D. McKissick has even been limited practice. I, I know he's been pra- practicing, but he's still been limited. You know, mm-hmm. like, you know, any times the, the fact that I had to say the words Taylor Heineke in this assessment of the team, I think I'm going to go under. I'm I'm definitely going with the under, especially considering how well we've seen pressures coming from this Washington football team defensive line. I don't think Tom Brady's going to have an easy day in his office, but I still think they get they get the job done. Washington's been a, a great individual story. I mean, obviously, it's still owned by Dan Snyder, so rooting for them is pretty tough. And I don't really have a rooting interest in this game. I think my uh, my mind's just going with Tampa Bay, but I think we see that under hit pretty pretty clear. Well, with that in mind. You know, like I said, that game was, I don't know, I don't want to say a waste of time. It's a bummer to end on, on that one. It's a bummer to think of that game. We're going to move on to Sunday's games. Mm-hmm. And we have an interesting docket here on Sunday. There are two AFC games, one NFC, like a sandwich. We start off the day with the Baltimore Ravens taking on the Tennessee Titans. in another one that really has got me just licking my chops. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is one I am excited about. This is, yeah, a, a great first-round matchup. I mean, you could argue Lamar Jackson may be one of the most dynamic, if not the most dynamic quarterback in the league. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm not saying the best, but Maybe as an individual player. Certainly explosive, certainly hardest to maybe game plan for. Mm-hmm. They have a really impressive rushing attack, as we know. They have a great defense, and and we've seen, I think, a maturation of Lamar Jackson. You know, I, I feel like a lot of these mobile quarterbacks, especially, not exclusively, mm-hmm. we see it with almost all quarterbacks, but mobile quarterbacks almost, I think, especially, usually see them start hot, and they usually fall off because people start to game plan for them. And yet we've seen that with Lamar Jackson, where this year he did have a little bit of an off year at some points. It seemed like he had a little bit of a slump. Mm-hmm. Then we saw him kind of beat it. We saw him start to figure out, you know, where his security blankets were. How, you know, when they're dropping a man in the spy, what that means for the rest of the defense and how what the vulnerabilities are. Mm-hmm. It seems like he hit it enough times to suddenly start to see its cracks and the weaknesses you know, and I think it makes him more dangerous than we've ever seen him. I think right now Lamar Jackson is the best version of Lamar Jackson that we've ever seen, where 
Six months ago, that wasn't the case. You were saying, oh, wow, he, he's not as good as he was last year. You know, right now, I think he's a, he is a more polished product than he was during his MVP season. Mm-hmm. The numbers aren't there, but that's because he, he ran into the, the hurdles. You know, he ran into the game plans. He, there are guys whose full-time job it is to come up with a scheme to try and stop him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so Yeah, and at some point people are going to do it, but it's how you respond to that and, and how we you see it in sports and, and exactly. And so and unlike maybe a Tom Brady, the system isn't necessarily I mean, yes, they are building it and trying to form it around him, but the system isn't what makes Lamar Jackson go. Lamar Jackson is what makes the system go. You know, that's why Tom Brady, when we've seen him leave, I mean this year's a all bad example, even though it's the first year he left for good because of Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. And they're totally different styles. And again, we talk about trying to form the offense, etc. But, you know, we saw Tom Brady leave and quarterbacks that were a little bit more his style, whether it was Matt Castle, whether it was Jimmy Garoppolo, or even Jacoby Brissett. We saw them find a level of success because yeah. the system kind of pushed Brady up. I mean, right. that's why this year we saw... I mean, I know we already skipped off that game, but like Tom it's a Brady, wild card team. Tom Brady's like tied for thirty first in quarterback rating this year. I mean, he's like on par against, with like I think he's like with Andy Dalton. But I mean, in general, yeah, he, he he isn't the quarterback he used to be. Yes, he's in a better spot than the Pats are this year. You, you know, mm-hmm. uh, everybody who was going, oh, is it going to be Brady or Belichick now that they broke it up? I mean, there everybody who picked Brady is feeling real good about themselves right now. Yeah. But, oh, because Brady went to because he, he went to a team that had every piece in place except a quarterback, right? And then did all right. Yeah, did enough to get into the playoffs. Yeah. Oh, you mean you have. You know, not only Ronald Jones, who was projected to be a really good running back, but also Leonard Fournette and LaShawn McCoy. Mm-hmm. Oh, your receivers are Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and your slot's just going to be Antonio Brown? Okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Even at tight end, I mean, I know O.J. Howard went down for the season, but O.J. Howard's a top-tier tight end. And then he has... Oh, Gronk, Cameron Brait. Gronk and Cameron Brait waiting um, in the wings to take over. Oh, you know, no biggie. Just two starting caliber tight ends. Absolutely. You know, and and then we don't even want to get into the the talent they have on defense. I mean, they've spared no expense. They have a a pass rush that's almost headlined by all all big free agent acquisitions. Mm -hmm. Other than what is, I think Gerald McCoy might still be there. Mm -hmm. But, you know... Yeah, Devin White is a draft pick, but he and he's been phenomenal. But it's just like I don't know if I would feel all that impressed with Tom Brady's season. And yet, then you look at a guy like Lamar Jackson, who really just sets the tone for his entire team. Yeah, I mean, his individual talent and ability and playmaking, yeah. you know, capabilities is what makes that Baltimore team. Operate. And right. It's the engine that powers it. And then, well, you can. I mean, you can even look then at who they have behind Lamar Jackson, where they try and have they try and have a system, and they're running it in the background with RG three and Trace McSorley, two guys of similar like stature and size, and, skill and, set. and trying exactly. to replicate it. Yeah, it's very it's very much the Lamar Jackson show, and it will be interesting to see how he pits himself against this. Titans team, which... Uh, I mean, more or less, though, it's the Derrick Henry show on the Tennessee side. It, I is, mean, it is, but also... 
Ryan Tannehill had an amazing season. He had a great season, best of his career by a mile. Yes. And they have they have Johnny Smith. They have Corey AJ Brown. Davis and AJ Brown are both very solid wide receiver. I mean, really, AJ Brown, just in his second season here, built upon a phenomenal rookie season. Mm-hmm. You know, no sophomore slump. No, in just sight. compounding. Just compounding. I mean, really, a guy. I don't want to say came out of nowhere. Obviously. He had the pedigree coming out of college, Uh but wasn't really the household name, wasn't really the guy that even everybody, if you were looking at, I mean, we run that dynasty league, Uh and I don't think anybody was thinking, I mean, you know, maybe I'm patting myself on the back here because I did did draft him in the rookie draft there, but, you know, I don't think anybody was thinking he was going to be something. Even when I picked him up, he was just like, oh, yeah, this guy might be pretty good. You know, yeah. I checked some of the auto rankings, and he was one of the best on the board. You and know? he was going into a system where he might get some starting time. So exactly. Was, yeah. But even then, that was also a depth chart that he had to really earn his way through. I mean, there was some big names there that I'm not, I'm not, I'm not remembering them off the top of my head, but that's because they're guys that lost their job to A.J. Brown and now – Aren't you know? Yeah, are on the team, and and no one's going to be threatening it for a while. So, so this you know this difference is this year from last year. This Tennessee Titans defense has just dropped off. It 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 hasn't been their best season. I mean, they've been one of the highest points allowed per game in the league, and you think with Mike Vrabel being the head coach, an ex defensive player, some would call a defensive specialist. Yeah. A guy whose really forte is the defense. Yeah, and is he's has pro layoff experience both as a coach and as a player. And yet here they are with really one of the worst defenses in the playoffs. I mean, it's it's shocking. And I think that this whole game is going to come down to how that you know troubled defense mm-hmm. is able to handle Lamar Jackson. Right. Lamar Jackson, if you don't recall, has gone from you know Cinderella to the pumpkin. Every time he's been in the playoffs. I mean, he has, I think, a combined, his offense has scored a combined, like, 20 or 26 points. Yeah, and I think he's Over got the two like, playoff games. He's got something like a combined, the offense has scored turnovers. three touchdowns, and he's turned the ball over six times. Exactly, like, I think, three fumbles, three interceptions. That sounds, it sounds familiar. And he's been a mess. Now, in both of those games, I'll give him credit. He picked himself up by his bootstraps and fought like a dog in both. Those fought games. like a dog, and and in one of the games, really made it close. Mm-hmm. I think that was actually against that Philip Rivers led Chargers team last year. Or two, Correct. Two years ago. Two years ago. I think two years ago you're thinking of that game. I think the game from last season he bowed out pretty quick, but I think it was the whole team kind of crumbling around him. So I think there's a lot to prove on both sides of this. For sure. I'll tell you what my gut is, and I'm I probably going to go with that gut, is I like Baltimore. Now, by the way, I don't think I went through this yet. It's a three-point spread in favor of Baltimore. They are the away favorites. Tennessee, the rare home underdog in the playoffs here. They're joining Washington as the, I believe, the only two home underdogs of the weekend. Yes. And the over-under sits at a... Really interesting 54-and-a-half, the highest out of every game of the weekend, mm-hmm. which I understand the potential. But remember, these are also two running-based teams. I mean, if they get the long-sustained drives that they would hope for, I mean, uh, barring the big pop-off play, which 
I almost feel like is more likely out of the Ravens offense because of the chunk yardage that Lamar picks up and Marquise Hollywood Brown mm-hmm. than it is on the Titans, even though AJ Brown makes oftentimes huge down the play you know, yeah, down the field plays. Yeah. But I think given the fact that AJ Brown is a little hampered and it is I believe a lower body injury. I, I know we don't have it in front of us anymore, but when I was doing the research earlier, I, I believe it's a lower body injury. That could impact their big play abilities. So I imagine, therefore, we're seeing sustained drives, for the most part, from two running-oriented teams. And if that's the case, 54.5 just seems really high to me. You could see six and a half, seven-minute long drives. Seven-minute long drives, that's, that's half a quarter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Do they really think then their ball's going back and forth that many times? I mean, there would need to be a lot of turnovers, mm-hmm. or there would need to be a lot of big plays to be hitting that 54-and-a-half with two teams that rely so heavily on the run. So I'm definitely going under there. Otherwise, like I said, I'm going with my gut. I like Lamar Jackson a lot, even aside from fantasy. It was, I picked him in fantasy because I liked him. I don't like him because I picked him in fantasy. You know? He is such an electrifying player. I really love, this is John Harbaugh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Jim's the one that, that coaches Michigan. Yes. Yeah, I, I like John Harbaugh a lot. I, I like, honestly, I like the Ravens team a lot. I mean, I had a little bit of qualms with Ray Lewis given his questionable past, but he was a hell of a player. Always love these Ravens teams. Terrell Suggs, you know, Ed yeah. Reed, just really top tier players. Yeah. And yeah, I, I'm I'm very much inclined, very much inclined, to go with the Ravens to win. Ravens to cover, a three-point spread, that's that's low. I mean, yeah, playoff games could come down to that. These are no strangers, either of these, to close games. But I got a gut feeling with everything on the line, they're going to be going touchdowns over field goals. And so if it even is close at the end, you know, maybe it could be a tie. Somebody kicks the field goal game over, you know. But, like, I think we're more inclined to see, you know, somebody take a one-touchdown lead with a minute 40 left and then the other team trying to – go for the Hail Mary or whatever, and it's a seven-point margin mm-hmm. than we are to see a last-second field goal. Especially with, you know, the Titans with the Gostowski struggles and, and you know, yeah. they've had kicking issues all year. And they just banked one in to make it into the... Yeah, and then, I mean, obviously, you know, the Ravens with Justin Tucker are way more confident in their kicking situation, but it still doesn't mean, you know, again, I think the level of aggression, and considering I think they're going to be the team playing in front when we're coming to the waning minutes of the fourth quarter, I think we see Ravens win, Ravens cover under a 54-and-a-half. And I'm really excited about this game. I mean, really, other than the other AFC game that we already talked about, this is my favorite matchup, favorite game, the one that I am most excited about for this weekend. Both of the 1 o'clock games. Yeah, interesting. I'm going, my buddy Ian's going in for my childhood He's a big Ravens fan. I'm going the Ravens in this one. I think we're going to see the over in this one hit, though. I know you said we got two running-based teams, but this is also number one offense coming up against a former MVP. I think we see a whole bunch of points going up on the board because I think the play action of both these teams is going to be enough that we get a lot of points on the board. I think we could see. I think we could see the most points out of any game this weekend out of this game. Especially because their defenses haven't been the top-tier defenses. So. Well, it's definitely going to be one to keep an eye on. I'm really stoked about it. Again, if you're only watching two games this weekend, I think you watch these two AFC matchups that we have already talked about. 
But I do not want to take away from the games that we still have on the docket. We got two more games coming up, and we can work our way towards those. We have an NFC matchup to talk about next, the midday game on Sunday. It's one that's honestly, I think, a little bit of a shocker. I don't know of anybody expected to have these both of these two teams here that are playing now. I think one of them we expected, but we have the New Orleans Saints who everybody I knew was going to be here pretty much since week one when they came out and beat Tom Brady, hosting in the Superdome the Chicago Bears? Yeah, the Bears snuck into this playoffs. I guess you got to give credit to Matt Nagy. Ugh. God, I need some like mouthwash I don't or even know if you really do. The way that he navigated, which may have been poorly, this just absolute lack of production out of the quarterback position throughout a vast majority of this season mm-hmm. is impressive to I, still get in the playoffs. In a, I mean, he benefited from a drastic underperformance by the Minnesota Vikings. Mm-hmm. They benefited from a drastic underperformance from the entire NFC East where it's almost usually a, a guarantee that you see more than one playoff team. At least it was as of like five years ago. The last few years, NFC West and South have both kind of taken that, you know, from us. Mm -hmm. But it's just really a shocker. I mean, you know, we also saw disappointing seasons out of the Falcons and Panthers, who I would have not been shocked. You know, I think either one of us would have expected either an additional team out of the NFC South or an additional team out of the NFC West to snag that wild card spot Mm -hmm. over the Bears. Especially since there's seven playoff teams this year. Exactly. Like, you look at it. The NFC West is always competitive. The Cardinals were in it much of the year. Seahawks are in it. The Rams are in it. I mean, that West is is competitive. And then the Niners, even they were still competitive, even with all their quarterback woes and, and just injury woes throughout the whole season. Right. And then you look at the South. I mean, really, the Falcons team was competitive for a good portion of this year. If they didn't start out with that 0-5 burger well, or whatever they, they started out with. If they didn't fumble away so many games and and, and completely collapse yeah, they frequently. could have been they could have been really dangerous and who knows what this Panthers team would have looked like with a healthy Christian McCaffrey all year but here we are the Chicago Bears in the playoffs and coming in pretty healthy yeah you know really no notes on the injury notes I was looking up today on, on you know and I think the big question mark here is really is is there going to be a future for these any number of players or coaches associated with this Bears team. I mean, the only player, really, that I would say is elite is Cleo Mack. You could also argue Raquan Smith. Yeah. But on the offense, they have little to no weapons at the quarterback position or at the weapons, or, or, you know, at the skill positions. Yeah, they have David Montgomery. They have guys who we know the name of, but I think we know the name because they're Bears starters. We don't know their names because they're major big-time playmakers. You know what I mean? No, I, I mean, Allen Robinson's good. He's good. But, like, yeah. If you put Allen Robinson on the Buccaneers, is he better than any of their top three? Probably not. No. You know what I mean? Like, like they're, is he beating Corey Davis or A.J. Brown for a starting spot on the Titans? No. Is he beating... Adam Thielen or Justin Jefferson for a starting spot on the Vikings? No. no. is it, You know what I mean? So it's just like, yeah, he's good, but, you know, you don't want your best receiver. And by the way, the Eagles have been in this position too, but guess what? He's We're not, also not in the playoffs. Yeah, but like another one, he's not, he's not sniffing the starting lineup on the 
Cowboys at wide receiver between Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb. He's not, pe- you know, like mm-hmm. so. There are pl- this Bears offense to me is just very bland. It doesn't have any spice. It doesn't have any kick. It doesn't have anything that no real identity would strike fear into my heart as a coordinator if if I were having to game plan against them. Either of their quarterbacks have tremendous flaws, and you have to wonder if either one of them will even have a starting job in years to come. I mean, really, and that to me is the failure of this season by Matt Nagy. Yes, they got into the playoffs. But they still don't know who their quarterback is. And they really should have never benched Mitch Trubisky. No, there's no reason to. Mitch, remember, I remember going off about it when it happened. If I'm not mistaken, they were 3-0 and or 3-1. and 3-1, and yeah. And they were losing by, like, one possession in the third quarter. Ten points. Yeah, or ten points, yeah. Yes, the offense was extremely stagnant and unproductive. We've seen it. Uh-huh. But that was an awfully quick—even I would have understood pulling them in-game to try and, you know, light a spark. Kind of like what the Dolphins did with Fitzpatrick when Tua was ineffective. Uh-huh. But to then take the job away from Mitch when you had a team that I think after that win was then 4-1. and one, Right. Yeah, to come back in that one. is astonishing to me. And then, as much as we both love Nick Foles and we're not, you know, slandering his name, they struggled. Yeah. They lost a whole bunch, and then it wasn't until they put Mitch Trubisky back in at the end that they won a handful of games and squeaked into the playoffs. And so you wonder, though, is Mitch—but, I mean, anybody with two eyes who's watched football— has serious concerns about whether or not Mitch Trubisky is capable of being a franchise quarterback. Yeah, down to down, it's hard to tell. Exactly. I mean, it's kind of like when you'd watch Tebow. It's like, oh, yeah, Tebow got that big win. Oh, he's pulled the Broncos into the playoffs. Oh, they upset the Steelers in the first round. But it was like, yeah, still, uh, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, yeah, Tebow's a good quarterback now. You know what I mean? He's a big game guy, yeah. Like, whatever. It's... So you have more questions than answers with this Bears team, and I think that's the biggest problem. You don't know if Matt Nagy is a quality head coach, even though I do think he has at least earned himself an additional year squeaking into the playoffs. For sure. But you don't know who your quarterback is, and that means you never know what to do in the draft. You never know what to do to build around it because anybody you build could easily be obsolete if you bring in a quarterback that doesn't fit that system. Right. Not to mention... Then if you fire the head coach the following year, the new head coach might want their own new quarterback, and then that guy's career's off the rails. I mean, how many of these quarterbacks, Josh Rosen, never even gets a real start in Arizona before he's on the road and now has been in three different teams. You know, mm-hmm. we see these guys, it happens all the time that a quarterback gets picked and then they're not doing too great, and then guess what? A new head coach comes in and he wants his own quarterback, you know? Yeah. <laughs> how many Broncos quarterbacks are they going to go through? I don't think this is going to be much of a contest. This is the biggest spread of the weekend. It is a nine-and-a-half-point spread in favor of the Saints, and I get it. Even without Alvin Kamara, the Saints are a dominant, lethal team defensively, offensively. Doesn't matter who you throw back there at quarterback. Hell, we're throwing a tight end slash wide receiver in at quarterback for five games who gives a shit? We'll be fine. Yeah, we'll you know still beg for half wins. You know, when it's all said and done, pound for pound might be one of the best coaches in the NFL as far as wins added. I mean, we all know Bill Belichick, where he stands, and, you know, even Andy Reid. But beyond those two even, and even Andy Reid, it's up in the air. Sean Payton's right there. Absolutely. I mean, Sean Payton, yeah. Maybe Mike Tomlin is in that conversation. Maybe. You know? the right. It's, it's pretty remarkable. And so 
Got to give credit where credit's due. I don't think there's really much of a chance for the Bears to go into the Dome and pull out a win here. No. I know the Saints are banged up. Again, I know Kamara might not be playing, but that doesn't doesn't stop me. I I think the Saints are a machine. Yeah, And, and we've given no credit so far, so we should mention it now. Saints defense is really good. Their end rushing from Hendricks and Jordan is absolutely lights out. We do have an over-under of 47.5, by the way. I wanted to throw that in there before we got too sidetracked. 9.5, over-under 47.5. you got to bet $5 to make a buck on the Saints. And Bears are paying off just about 4-1. to one. So my thoughts on this game are pretty simple. I think I've laid them out pretty clearly. Mm-hmm. As much as the Bears can hang their hat on making the playoffs, which is an achievement, just like Washington can hang their hat on making the playoffs, which is an achievement. I don't think they win this game and... God help them if they do. I still don't think that they make any noise. You know, it's goofy when I first looked at it and found out that Washington wasn't the biggest underdog of the weekend. I thought that has to be wrong. And Washington definitely, in my mind, was the biggest underdog. But, you know, having thought about it more, even without Kamara on the field, I'm inclined to say I think the Bears should be the biggest underdog. And I actually do think the Saints will cover that Mm -hmm. nine-and-a-half point line. I think they'll win it at home fairly easily, and I think we'll see the over of that 47.5. Well, not to get too boring on you, but I, I agree. I think we're seeing this under hit. I don't see a lot of production coming out, especially without Alvin Kamara. He's an easy check down back. He moves the sticks forward. They've gotten a lot of first downs off of him. They might struggle a little bit getting first downs without him. So I think it might slow up some of the point scoring, but I think at the end of the day, the Saints team is just that much better than this Bears team. I mean, even when they didn't know who their quarterback was, they knew who their quarterback was, whereas Bears have not had that same luxury. Yeah, I mean, I think the Bears have to be the team lacking the most direction at this point, even though they made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, Even Washington, who really has no idea who their quarterback is. It's probably going to be somebody new. And they're, at least, it seems like a team that's definitely trending the right way, where even though the Bears made this playoffs, like they seem like a team that's almost like the stock market. They're down one day, they're up the next. They're looking good one day, they're looking terrible the next. Mm-hmm. Just because they ended this season on a little bit of a high and kind of stumbled their way into the playoffs Did because the enough. other teams, because the also because the other teams lost. Yeah. I mean, remember, it took the Cardinals... Losing not just once, but you know, several games in the last month of the season, right? To have it so the Bears were the team on the inside, you know, yeah. But I think we're, you know, it'll be a game to that's almost more of a like keep your eye on the score line. I mean, I'll probably watch it because it'll it's playoff football and you know, it's on, but Wisconsin football is on, Michigan State football is on. I, I think it makes sense that the favorite team will win there. And I almost think that this is the type of game that is a casualty of the expanded playoffs where we're getting a team that, I don't want to say doesn't deserve to be there. Because they did, because they earned the it. math. But, but it's very much a, it almost seems like a formality that they're going to play this game because we know the Saints are going to win. And we, like I almost feel like they have no chance of advancing in the playoffs. And, mm-hmm. I could be coming out here eating crow next week. Yeah, because it's any given Sunday. But but it just seems like these are two teams that are in totally different classes. And you don't want to say that about playoff games. You know, the AFC games, 
and the, even the one we're getting into, I feel like every game is teams that are on the same playing field. Mm-hmm. Where in the NFC, I just didn't think we had that discrepancy. No. Or, sorry, we didn't have that, you know. Yeah. Uh, the equality we have a major discrepancy. Yeah, there's a there's a talent drop off from the top seats to the lower seats. We've got an interesting final matchup in this in this wild card playoff round. Yeah, we have another divisional matchup here. Our second divisional matchup of these wild card playoff weekend games, and it's the last game. It's the finale. It's a rematch of a week seventeen matchup. We have the Cleveland Browns, wild card team, really happy with their playoff berth. Obviously, a huge achievement for this franchise. Going to Pittsburgh, take on the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are actually, it seems like, at maybe their healthiest point of the season. Interesting enough. Without really any of their receivers or running backs banged up as of my latest injury report. I got to say, I'm very excited for Cleveland. I think it was a big achievement for them making these playoffs. I think it was a huge coming-of-age year for Baker Mayfield. I think even without Odell Beckham, the way this offense almost managed to thrive even more, the running game really exploded. Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb and finding a good balance between those two was done impeccably well. Mm-hmm. Austin Hooper, finally, after about 10 weeks, you know, after my fantasy season was dead and buried, decided to wake up. And actually started putting some points on the board, both literally with some touchdowns, but also getting some good yardage, getting some good yak, some good yards after the catch. You know, mm-hmm. it, this offense really started to come together, and so did the defense. And I really gotta, you know, give respects to right Stefanski's their head coach, yeah, Kevin Stefanski. Kevin Stefanski, you know, good on him for finally pulling a Cleveland Browns franchise out of the dumpster. Yeah, wiping them off a little bit. And send them on the field to actually play some football instead of get stomped by everybody. Yeah. On the other side of this, we have a veteran-led Pittsburgh Steelers team mm-hmm. that has been here more often than not. Yeah, fourteen over the winning last seasons decade. from Mike Tomlin. Two decades almost. Yeah. And this is a little bit of a tough one. I mean, to me, this is one of the harder ones to pick. Like I said, all these AFC games—they are teams that are on the same playing field, and this is no exception. This Steelers team started out the season hot, obviously historically hot. I mean, anytime you get past into the double-digit wins without a loss, mm-hmm. you start making some noise. Yeah, you, you're building a uh, uh, an aura about your team. People start the rumbling, exactly. Yeah. And so they had these huge expectations and then pretty much fell off a cliff. I mean, they lost, what was it, at one point, I think, three out of four games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had a real skid at the end of the, the end of. Uh, pretty decent run of form yeah and that like third between the third quarter and the fourth quarter of the season i mean they really just really struggled yeah and they became very mortal they became very beatable and they became a team that was no longer really that scary Mm -hmm. there's a lot of hate and there's a lot of animosity in this divisional matchup i mean this is like an eagles cowboys i mean you know this is huge yeah and i think we're going to see that roar its head. As much as I'm excited about the Browns and everything they've done, I'm very much inclined to go with the favorites here. Pittsburgh are five and a half point favorites, and the over-unders at 47 and a half. I'm going with Pittsburgh because of their veteran experience, because of the discrepancy in the head coaching experience. Pittsburgh have been to the playoffs, as we said, 
many times. Ben Roethlisberger has been to the playoffs many times. He's played playoff defenses. He's, you know, dealt with the blood, sweat, and tears that come with these matchups, these players putting it all on the line. There will be butterflies on both sides, but there will be fewer butterflies in the Pittsburgh locker room sitting at their home field in a place that they've been before, both literally and figuratively. So as much as I hate Ben Roethlisberger, I really do. Yeah. I think Pittsburgh gets this win, and I think they get the win by the five and a half points. I don't want to say that Cleveland's going to collapse. I think actually better of that, better of them than that, mm-hmm. which is can't believe those words came out of my mouth. But think about how many teams with promise all over the place, not just in the NFL, we have seen finally get that monkey off their back, and then they get in the playoffs. And they almost get that, okay, now welcome to reality. Mm-hmm. Now here's where the big boys are playing. Yeah, step two. Exactly. Half the battle is getting there. Well, what do you mean it was only half the battle? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think, I don't want to say they'd be out of gas, but I think they expelled so much energy getting here. Mm-hmm. And that was such a weight off the shoulders. I mean, that's a euphoric moment. You, you've you've reached the mountaintop only to realize that you're at the foot of an even larger mountain. I don't think they're ready for that. I think we see Pittsburgh come in here, not come out here. I mean, they're in their hometown, but you know, I think we see the Pittsburgh come out, get the job done. Even though I don't, by the way, I, I, for example, I think the other two picks that I picked for the AFC games, which is Baltimore and then, I think I went with Buffalo, but I said the, it would be the Colts would cover. But whichever team comes out of that game, any of those I like more than whoever comes out of this game as chances to win the AFC. Mm-hmm. I mean, I will, yeah, I'll take Baltimore over either of these two teams, and I'll take either of the two teams in that Colts in Bills Colts Bills game. Like if you had matched up, if it were Bills Browns Colts Steelers. I'd be picking the Colts over the Steelers. I'd be picking the Bills over the Browns. You right. know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, I do it's the not same. Even, um, or you could flip the the matchup there, and I would still be picking the, those two teams. So I do think the Steelers get this job done because of the things I mentioned: the the leadership, the experience, you know, the more inexperience on the Browns even than the experience on the Steelers. But I don't think either of these teams makes a lot of noise in these twenty twenty playoffs. I think you've brought about a good point. We also don't know about Kevin Stefanski's versus Kyle Stefanski. Give me a second. I think it's Kevin. Is it Kevin? It's Kevin. It is Kevin. It is Kevin Stefanski. It is Kevin Stefanski. Kevin Stefanski might not even be on the sidelines for this week's game because he just got hit with a positive COVID test on Tuesday. No, I, I don't believe he is expected to be on the sidelines for the game, a matter of fact. Yeah. So just that alone. But but even that uh, aside the fact, I mean, yeah, that, that maybe exacerbates things. But, you know. Mm-hmm. I think if I think if you lose a signal caller that got you here, I think that's a really tall order in the playoffs against a team that was so good beginning of the season and has the pedigree that the Steelers team has. Oh, definitely. It's definitely going to have an impact. I mean— I would, you'd be a fool if you implied that it would have no impact on the game. Right. But 
I don't think that's the make or break. I think they lose this game, whether he's on the sideline, on the field, at home, in the press box. I think this is Pittsburgh's. I think their inexperience is going to shine with him there or not. But you're right. I think it could be definitely worsened Mm -hmm. if he's held out of the contest. I think it's a lot closer to a coin flip if if both teams are in and they're as healthy as they want to be, you know, or as healthy as they can be. But given the issues that the Browns are having right now, I think I think it pushes it in the in the Steelers' direction. Yeah, and like I said, I mean, to me, it's not necessarily about health. It's about more that mental fortitude, that experience, that that ability to push down the the nerves and execute on the things that you've done a million times in practice, but you just got to come out and make the play. It's the little things. It's looking the ball into your hands. It's making sure that you catch the fair catch. You know what I mean? It's it's those little things that we see inexperienced teams frequently drop the ball on in the playoffs. They hear the footsteps. Mm-hmm. They They recognize the magnitude of the moment. And they crumble the first time because it's insane. There's nothing like it. You're you're against the best athletes in the world at what they do and the highest level of competition. You know, it's a common trend for these young teams to be overwhelmed. I mean, we were talking about it with Lamar Jackson even. His first few playoff games he struggled. Think about how many years it took Phillip Rivers before they even were able to win their first one. I mean, think about the... These guys who are even known for being, you know, ice in the veins in the regular season come to the playoffs, and it's a totally different atmosphere. And I think that's something that takes some getting used to. And that's why, yeah, I just don't think Baker and the Browns are just going to come out and roll like they have. No, that's a very tall order. Well, that wraps up Wild Card Weekend for us here at Balls Over the Top. Yeah, we're definitely excited about this. Really excited to see, you know, what our matchups are coming into next week. I mean, with our two bye teams, Green Bay and Kansas City being arguably, I mean, and I, this isn't this sounds almost dumb saying it, but you know, being the two favorites, you know. Yeah. Um we're going to have a lot of exciting things to talk about there whatever these matchups look like. I mean, you know, the lower seed will end up going there. So who knows? There's some really exciting, you know, because of the way the seeding worked out, we could see Tampa going to face, you know, Green Bay. We could be seeing the Bears. Exactly. Or one of those wild card teams, you know, the, the AFC wild card teams are also the ones that I think can make a lot of noise. The Ravens coming out of the AFC as well as the uh, wild card, as well as the Colts being an AFC wild card team. I mean, either one of those would be a phenomenal matchup. Oh, for sure. Against the Kansas City Chiefs, and so much fun to watch. There's just plenty of opportunities here. Or, you know, if the Browns pull it out, we could be seeing, you know, any crazy matchups. I mean, there's all sorts yeah. of, of different opportunities Unlimited here. potential. Bill, yeah, Bills versus Ravens. How great of a game would that be? Oh, I mean, there's, so good. There's so many opportunities here, so we're going to have a ton of great stuff to talk about next week. And we had a lot of great mat- uh, cup matches in soccer, football, that the international yeah. football uh, to talk about as well in our Monday episode. So we'll have great things for you guys there. And... We're really looking forward to growing and developing our show and program 
throughout this 2021. So oh, yeah. we're excited for whatever new types of content or analysis we can provide to you. Happy to be here. Happy you're listening. And looking forward to bringing you more. Yeah, as always, we're at BOTT Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. And our podcast is available everywhere you get your podcasts. All of the places you can find us. And if you ever need a link, you can always reach out to us or hit up those social media can- uh, social media candles, social media handles that we just listed. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. You're the best. We'll be back with you next week. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy Wild Car Weekend. Woo-woo.